Hello and welcome back to the show that sometimes ends um, from Two Spot Monkeys. Don't worry, Two Spot Monkeys is not ending. We just had to take a little hiatus while I dealt with your friend and mine, COVID. Um, but um, I'm better now, uh, which is good. And it is good to be back and uh, doing this again, talking wrestling, because goodness knows some stuff has happened over the last couple of weeks. Tom, how are you doing, my friend? Very well, thank you. Happy to see you and that you are well. Uh, glad we can reconnect on this. And as we've never made any bones about, um, you know, life happens for both of us and it's really happened over the last three weeks. So yes, it's delayed us having the chance to to get together. And um, again, that's it's the state of the world. So if this is nothing else other than a time capsule uh, for the future, we'll be able to look back and go, yeah, remember that time? <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah, full gear, our full gear preview show, uh, life got in my way. And while it was on YouTube, it didn't go out on the podcast feed until about 10 minutes before full gear went on the air, I think. Um, sorry about that. Uh, and then, yeah, we haven't recorded since then. So, uh, but we're back at it and hoping to be back to roughly weekly. But again, we've always been very honest about that, that uh, we, we like doing this every week, but sometimes life is just going to get in the way and and that's happened. But here we are today. No reason to dwell on the past. We'll move forward. And uh, although I'd rather not dwell on the past, we can talk about head-to-head updates. Uh, Full Gear, uh, if you listened to our preview show, whether before or after uh, Full Gear, I know, uh, shout out to Annette, uh, said she would listen to it after the show since it went up so so late. Um, so shout out to whoever get, gave that a listen. Um, Full Gear, Went the same way, like every other head-to-head. Feels like it's gone, Tom. Um, I just, I guess I didn't put on here any uh, takeaways. Maybe it won't be three big things from Full Gear, but uh, the quick head-to-head update is that you went 9-0 and and were perfect in your picks. Um, and I went 7-2, and which was not bad, but when you're already down three, that doesn't help. Um, I missed the Nyla Rose uh, Akaro Shida match, and I also missed, I believe, Cody and Darby Allen. Um, yeah. Both of those, I, I do... Go back and and listen. Listen to the tape. Um, I did say I wasn't real sure on both of those. I, I felt a little better about the Nyla Rose one, actually, I think, than I did Garby and, and Cody. But um, nonetheless, I lost both of those matches. Uh, and Tom didn't bother to lose any, as mean as that was of you. Uh, <laughs> I'll, as mean as I'll ever be. <laughs> so uh, after, uh, well, we'll update the total scores here after Survivor Series. Uh, needless to say, though, that put it, put him up five uh, before Survivor Series. Uh, Tom, thoughts on Full Gear? Did you get a chance to, you did get a chance. You watched it with your brother, right? I did, yeah. I watched it live. Uh, it's a funny story. Um, I thought that the buy-in started at six and not seven. So I made sure that my brother was, oh, my brother has his license, but doesn't have a car. So he doesn't drive. So I had to go pick him up and uh, had him here at like six o'clock. And then we sat here and hung out until the buy-in started at seven. Um, so that was a little funny because it, then the night just was longer than I had anticipated, um, which actually in the Young Bucks FTR match, um, I started to get a little heavy eyelided. Um, but I fought through and did not fall asleep um, as that show went on. Um, I liked the show overall, really enjoyable. I thought it was worth um, the investment that I made in, in making that purchase on pay-per-view. Um, 
it seems like it's so long ago so i apologize that like i don't have any hot takes or freezing cold takes as you as you as it, as they may be um again i've the card went as i thought it would uh so i'm thankful really? uh <laughs> I don't, you don't you don't say um, <laughs> Yeah, and the wrestling was pretty high quality across the board. I'm I'm really looking forward now to what we were we're going to get with Mox and Kenny Omega. Winter is coming and on uh, December second, yep. so I'm really excited about that. To me, that's that's uh, appointment viewing or destination viewing, if you will. Um, I'm I'm definitely definitely entrenched in the AEW product. Uh, again, I, I think I've that's that's evolved during our our course of re. Uh, reinstituting our regular connection here on this podcast uh, in, at, at the uh, at the early parts of the pandemic, um, I think AEW just it, it draws me in as being a fresher product. And I don't that's not a disparaging remark that I want to throw at any WWE centric or other promotion centric thing. But like right now, I you know I like I like all of the flavors. I like I like the buffet of options, but. AEW really, I think, to me is what's drawing me on a regular and consistent basis. I don't love everything they do, but I just feel like it's the most, it's the freshest product um, in for the North American uh, landscape. What were your thoughts? What were your takeaways? You watched it live? You watched it on demand? I did. I watched it live. Um, I did not see the buy-in, um, although I, too, thought it started earlier. So I thought I was going to be a little late jumping into the show, um, and then, nope. Um, so I would, I guess I've gotten conditioned by WWE that their pay-per-views start at, um, well, six o'clock my time, seven o'clock your time. Uh, so I think that was part of it is I, because they've made that shift in all of their shows. Um, yeah, I think that's what caught me too. And, uh, AEW does it a little later, which is, is great. Um, yeah, I watched the whole show. I enjoyed the whole show. Um, you know, MJF kind of winning, beating Chris Jericho, uh, we both expected and uh, you know i I, he kind of out chris jericho chris jericho if that makes sense um and uh, i thought it was good um i'll be honest i have not loved the segment since then the uh, induction and then the vegas segments i know uh, i caught online that you did enjoy the vegas segments um a little bit more i they just weren't for me but then again the whole steak dinner thing wasn't for me either um so that storyline's kind of, I've gotten to where I cringe when I see Chris Jericho, and I didn't know that I could do that. Um, but I've gotten to where I'm like, oh, okay. Um, it also seems to me like, look, yeah, that, that team is not going to last. At some point, one of them is turning on the other one. Um, and whether they whether either of them become a babyface or not, um, they could both stay heels and just be jerks that, you know, beat each other up kind of thing. Um, I think Sammy Guevara is actually being set up for a he- or for a face turn out of this. Um, he had a little bit I read I read about on Dark last night. We were joking just before I, we went live that uh, I I looked up the results for Dark last night for our fantasy wrestling league, and uh, there were seventeen matches on Dark last night. It was nearly a three hour show. Holy buckets um but i read about guevara uh, who wrestled marco stunt and he gave stunt some respect at the end of the match um and, and put him over which is obviously more baby ish um so i'm wondering if that's <coughs> somewhere they're headed but um but yeah i thought it was a really good show i thought it was probably one of their more solid pay-per-views 
nothing that I would be like, oh my gosh, you know, this match was such a killer match. You've got to go out of your way to see this match. Um, but nothing either that I went, what in the heck was that doing on the pay-per-view? Um, up to and including the Orange Cassidy John Silver, which originally was a buy-in match and made sense as a buy-in. Um, I think it did make more sense, though, to keep Orange Cassidy on the pay-per-view itself. He's one of your most overacts. Um, put him on the show. Uh, so, you know, and one thing I'll, I'll shout out there is actually John Silver, like not that he isn't uh, and hasn't delivered in the ring before and other opportunities, but this was a really good spotlight for him. I thought actually he might have made the most out of any talent on the entire show that night. Like, I think he actually shined the brightest maybe out of everyone. I mean, I think because you because I think you could argue like most performers did what you would have expected or, or 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 anticipated that they would have done. I think John Silver, again, being in the slot he was in, in Dark Order and where things were at, having a single spotlight, I think he maybe more than anyone had his stock rise, uh, at least from my perspective. I agree, and I like John Silver and the little bit of a, of a kind of over-caffeinated crazy guy that he's playing or whatever um, works. You know, he's he's such a short guy that I, I think he's got to have some character to him to fully get um, the exposure that he deserves because he is, he is good in the ring. Um, and I, I hate to say that height, you know, is going to hold him back, but let's be honest. Um, you know, he, he is very short when compared to other guys. Uh, so I think to play up his other characteristics to get him noticed, then you don't notice as much. Wow. He's so much smaller than everybody else because he is good in the ring. He's fun to watch. Um, he and Anna Jay have some really good um, kind of play off of each other, I think, um, as they've gone along, too. So I agree. I think Silver Silver looked good. You know, is Silver ever going to be the AEW world champion? Probably not. Um, but could Silver have himself a very nice career and maybe even maybe even be a, a TNT champion down the road or a tag team champion down the road? I think Reynolds and Silver as a tag team are actually criminally underrated and, and underused in AEW. Um, yeah, absolutely. He could win some gold in AEW. Um, they got to, they got to do a little building with him to get him there, but I, I, maybe that match opened some eyes and, and showed that, you know, there's something with John Silver there. Uh, they, they weren't afraid to put him on the pay-per-view and I think that says something. So, uh, I agree with you. Uh, other thoughts on, on full gear. I agree with you as well. I should say, uh, Moxley Omega is going to be a lot of fun next Wednesday night. Um, I should be leading a trivia night next Wednesday night, so I probably won't see it live unless the stage shuts bars down between now and next Wednesday, in which case I will be watching live. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens there. That's a whole different problem for not a wrestling podcast. But um, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I hope they, uh, tonight on the show, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. I hope they they build some other stuff um, and make that Winter is Coming show kind of like they've done with Bash at the Beach or other things, make it a, a big night. Um, as of yet, I don't think they've announced anything else for that show. Um, so hopefully tonight they'll they'll do some things to build that. And there's plenty that they can do, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more down the road in this podcast about some of the other developments. Things in AEW sometimes seem to be on fast forward, and sometimes they don't seem to be on uh, regular speed at all. So uh, <laughs> yeah. teaser, teaser for more to come. Still, still <laughs> working on the booking there, I think, a little bit. Um, 
Yeah. Head to head, we'll just talk head to head briefly for Survivor Series, and then we're going to get into three big things uh, from the show from last Sunday. Uh, the head to head update, though, is that Tom and I tied. We went four and two each. Uh, we had the exact same winners for each match. I know we didn't get to do a preview show here on the podcast, uh, but because we're in that fantasy wrestling league, we did each post our picks because um, we do pick over there, and we always use the same picks that we do here, um, other than full gear, which I forgot to post in the fantasy wrestling league. So good job to get no points for me there. Um, but uh, it may not have mattered. I'd have to look. Um <laughs> The one thing I thought about, and when I finally posted my picks, I I posted because I was behind on SmackDown until late in the day on Sunday, and I was trying to fit SmackDown in around football and halftime, and I could have watched SmackDown a lot sooner with the way the Lions played. I was going to say, the Lions didn't show up on Sunday, so you just should have watched SmackDown. It would have been more enjoyable. Yeah, precisely. Um, I I, I wondered, we, we, of course, as you said, we were identical. Uh, I wondered, I wonder if we had done the recording, if we had had that opportunity, had, if we would have, Thought, thought one 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 or the other because of the strategy. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know. I would have, but I don't know that I wouldn't have. <laughs> right. You're also not the one who's five behind. Um, so, <laughs> um, I, I can tell you that I went back and forth on the women's Survivor Series match. The reason I picked, we both picked the SmackDown team, so we both missed that match. The reason I picked the SmackDown team was I really thought Bianca Belair would be given kind of the the Keith Lee rub from last year, if you want to say. Um, and I think that's a, I'm sorry to jump in. That's a good segue for three big things. Okay. Yes, it is. Um, and, and, and I think she did shine in that match. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's talk about three big things from survivor series. Uh, Tom, do you want to start or do you want me to, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, so real quick, put a, put it, putting a pin in pickums, the current standings, me 41 and 10, Jim, 36 and 13, difference of five matches. We anticipate three more shows. Correct. Takeover, Final Battle, and TLC. And Final Battle and TLC are the same weekend. So that could be a big, big preview episode down the road and yeah. also a fallout episode for, for our listeners. Um, so, yeah, so putting a pin in that, yeah, go ahead and start us off with three big things because, again, I, th- I felt like you're, that point, whether you wanted to make it as one of your three big things, is it's, it's important to talk about that. Well, yeah, and let's talk about that women's match is one of my three big things. There's another point I want to make about the women's match that I'll make here uh, in this, but um, I, I really thought Bianca Belair was going to give be given that rub, and, and, and she did well. She shined. She was the last member of of the SmackDown brand um, on her team. And and she didn't, you know, get destroyed or get beat or she got counted out. I mean, you know, it was story at that point. Let's be honest. Uh, Had I gone with raw, it would have been because I thought Lana could be the sole survivor. I hadn't come up with that finish, although it makes a lot of sense because Lana didn't really do anything to win. Um, But yet, She's the sole survivor. And I loved that she got into the ring and said, I'm the sole survivor. I'm the only survivor. I, I love that she played that up. Um, I enjoy the Lana character when they don't, A, when they don't have her have the stupid Russian accent that clearly is fake. Um, the girls from Florida. Like, <laughs> let her be CJ Perry. Um, you can call her Lana. That's fine. But just let her not have to be the ravishing Russian. Um, and when they don't, you know... <laughs> play up the bimbo role too much or the, the slutty, you know, kind of role that they did with, uh, with the, her and Bobby Lashley and, and all of that. I, I like the Lana character. Um, and I don't know why, but it worked for me. Um, 
again, do I think Alana's ever probably going to be the person in the women's division? Probably not. Uh, do I think there's a place for her, though? Absolutely. Flip side, though, part B to my first big thing is Peyton Royce. Peyton Royce is someone that you and I are both a fan of, Tom, I believe. Um, and she got the biggest pinfall of her career, a clean pin on Bailey, basically. Um, some To the point that some people online actually thought that there was a mistake made or that Bailey had gotten hurt on that superplex spot. Um, it, everything I've read said it was not a mistake. That was exactly what was planned. Uh, Tom, you have not seen Raw from Monday night, you said? No. Um, do you mind if I say one thing about Raw from Monday yeah, night? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. They they did a great job following up on this by not having Peyton Royce on the show on Monday at all. I wish you weren't. I, I knew I, I wouldn't. I wasn't sure sarcasm was coming, but <laughs> I'm also not surprised. And uh, yeah, Peyton Royce not on Monday Night Raw at all. She cleanly pins Bailey, who had been the world, the SmackDown Women's Champion for nine thousand days or whatever in the world that title reign was. One of the top women in the world right now both character and in-ring wise, you have Peyton Royce pin her clean, which to me says you're going to strap a rocket to this girl. And I think Peyton Royce has some ability. Again, is she Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Hikaru Shida in the ring? No. I think she's getting there, and I think she's got some great character. I do hate that they took her away from Billy Kay and then just put her with Lacey Evans, like kind of doing the same thing, a little bit different. Um, but so you give her this pin, and then you don't follow up on it on Monday at all. Like, I don't even think it was mentioned. I don't think. I may have missed it um, in, in what I've seen of Raw, and then also I've read the rest of the results um, and realized that I didn't necessarily need to see it. That's a different problem for another day. Um, oh, yeah. Just, so what are you doing with that women's division? Man, I mean, goodness gracious. I think Rhea's coming, but that's, an, that's a topic for another day, perhaps. Tom, what was your first big thing uh, from Survivor Series? So this wasn't this wasn't one of the things that I thought of, but pre and I have some things I want to talk about. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot off, bounce off of yours. I was gonna say, before you respond to my first big thing before yours too. Yeah, yeah, no, I think this is a big thing, but it's in response to what you said, and I think it actually spills over into other aspects of the show and or the product in general. the The question for me, and the the question, and maybe it's less of a question. The statement for me is. Survivor Series really did, was WWE doing what it does in an entertainment-centric space? Pinfalls matter in AEW. Pinfalls matter in Ring of Honor. Pinfalls matter in New Japan, or decisions, if you will. They don't matter here. And for people who have been wrestling fans for as long as you and I have been, it's frustrating because we remember a time. We also see products that are currently active where the outcome of a match, the intertwinings of a story within a match lead to something else. And to your point there, where it doesn't lead to Peyton Royce coming out Monday and immediately challenging Asuka or something of that ilk, you want to like wring your hands in frustration. Like what in the, why, just why, you know, and in that same space, you know, just sticking with the women's match, but we can go down in other areas too. Bianca Belair, 
like again, you could have made her more. You could have made her for this audience because I'm making a presumption that the NXT audience that was really familiar with her and the depth and the the high quality of of, of talent that she is doesn't necessarily know all of that backstory. You could have made her here. You and again, if we're not gonna get a Nia Jax Bianca Belair singles match, which I and don't think we do because of the current brand split. What's the harm in her beating Nia Jax? I mean, especially after you had Shayna Baszler, in essence, choke her out, and she was saved by the ropes, which I thought was, again, not a bad thing. It was it protected Shayna. It also protected Bianca, but it also put over Shayna's finisher. So what are you? Are you entertainment-focused, or are you sports-centric? And where is the balance? And, and why is the scale not equitable? So my first big thing is, is hopefully I made a point in all of that to basically just say, you know, the, the, the frustration as a fan for me in that. And again, I'm, 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 I'm parking in the parking lot of the women's match to make that point, but, but it can go in other spaces as well. And, and to play off of that or, or bounce off of that a little bit, this was supposed to be best of the best. Now, first of all, it's best of the best. And the brand that won the thing last year isn't even involved. So that's cool. Um, and throughout the show last year, I remember they had a little uh, score box that would come up after every match. And it was NXT 1, Raw 2, SmackDown 0, or whatever it was. They didn't mention it even throughout the whole night. Like, oh, SmackDown's up 2-1, or whatever in the world the scores were after each match. Um, you know, where The Miz gets the first big win for Raw, so they're up 1-0. Um, Raw won 4-3. Um but they never said anything about it. Um, so if it's best of the best, wouldn't you keep score? If that's the whole point of the show? Anyways, I, you and I are putting a little more thought into it than Mince did, apparently. Um, so my second big thing is a guilty pleasure. And it's it's not going to be everybody's favorite thing or big thing. It's not even really a big thing on the show. But I love, love, love that we get the gobbledygooker. Every single Thanksgiving and Survivor Series. Uh, sounds like maybe it was Drew Gulak uh, under, and I, I thought that when I did not see the kickoff. Well, I watched the Battle Royal, but I didn't see the rest of the kickoff show. And then I, I saw the highlights, you know, before they had him drop the title back. And at least they only had the title change like three times on Survivor Series um, on Raw last week, uh, not Monday, but the week week prior to Survivor Series, the 24-7 title changed like 18 times. or so. I mean, it was scoring it for the Fantasy League sucked, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> trying to read that and figure out what in the world happened. Um, but uh, the gobbledygooker, which most likely, again, was Drew Gulak, although he never unmasked himself as Drew Gulak. But he, when he won the title, he, like there was a voice that said like, oh yeah, I won or something. And I was like, that eh, sounded like Drew Gulak. Um <laughs> So I kind of expected the head to come off at some point and them reveal it was Drew, but that never happened. Um, about eight to nine years ago, Mattel released a prototype for a gobbledygooker action figure, and it never came out. And their their answer to that has always been, uh, was it Hector Guerrero? Hector Guerrero, I believe, was the gobbledygooker back in 1990 uh, when the actual egg uh, debuted the same night as The Undertaker. And, you know, here we are 30 years later. Um, but uh, they don't have Hector Guerrero under contract, so they claim they can't do the gobbledygooker. Now, 97 different people have done the gobbledygooker thing in the last 30 years. So, I, you know, it's a WWE-owned character. I don't see why they can't. I, 
I, I feel like it's probably more that there are no parts they currently make for any other superstar that would work on that action figure. So they'd have to like do everything from scratch, which I'm sure is expensive. Um, but anyways, I hope this gets us that action figure. I want a gobbledygooker. That's my thing. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like that. Um, my second big thing um, will be Keith Lee. And uh, number one, a, a point of disappointment only because when you think of where Keith Lee was a year ago, coming off a tremendous Survivor Series, and he was an NXT talent. So back to the whole, like, again, it was a three brand battle. He shined and he probably, I, I'm going to argue he was not, he's never been hotter than, than he was a year ago at this time when Survivor Series finished. Uh, and he's done a lot since then, including winning the NXT title. But I appreciated and was thankful that he got the final pinfall in the men's match to win the match for his team. Because even if it's entertainment-centric product and they're not concerned with wins and losses, there still is some merit or value to being the, the, the man or woman that wins the match for your team. So the fact that he was given that opportunity as a Keith Lee fan, I was excited for. And again, I think the future is still bright. I know he's on the maybe the latter side of his thirties. Uh, so, but again, in WWE, it doesn't matter really how old you are until you become, you know, late forties or fifties. And even then who knows, right. In this day and age. Uh, and then his new, his new theme music that they, so, so they did, a, they shifted his music from NXT to raw with kind of a modification. And it just really wasn't vibing for me. But when they did the new music on Sunday, it's better than where they were. So it's now three different progressions. His NXT music was, again, very original, fresh, fun. The change to Raw, eh, it sounded like a little bit canned. Now it seems like they've rebooted it in a, in, in, in a good way where, again, at some point when we are able to go and attend in person again, I think that's kind of a, uh, a theme where fans are going to be able to clap with or, or, or chant with. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be cool. So that was my second big thing. And, and I agree. The minute his theme. And we're back. We may have had a slight blip there in the recording. Um, I asked if you could see me and you didn't respond or I didn't hear you if you did. So, um, well, for those listening on the podcast feed, you just had a moment of Zen with the two spa monkeys. Hope you got a chance to meditate. Um, but uh, when I heard Keith Lee's music hit on Sunday and realized that it was him uh, doing it, much like he did in NXT, much like he did on his indie run uh, before he came to NXT, I was like, oh, okay, now things are working. Um, I just think it adds a lot to his character. Um, so I agree with you. That was that was really good. Um, and and gosh, I hope it's leading to more for him. We'll see. Um, see where they go. Uh, my third big thing, my last big thing, where else can I go, was The Undertaker. Uh, the farewell. So I'm going to mix bad and good here. I thought having the all the legends come out was fine at first. Uh, Kane being the only one to show up in gimmick uh, and in his actual... Well, I mean, JBL was in gimmick. Godfather was in gimmick. 
Uh, somebody said Mick Foley too, and I'm like, no, that's how Mick Foley dresses. <laughs> that's not anything different. Like, watch him on anything. That's just Mick Foley. Um, you know, having Kane show up in his actual wrestling gear, like he was going to wrestle a match. I, I don't know if somebody ribbed him and told him everybody was doing that, or you know, if he just chose to out of respect to the, the Undertaker or what. Um, but uh, I thought that was interesting that he didn't just walk out, you know, in a shirt and tie. Uh, maybe maybe he wants to have differentiation between Kane and Knoxville County Mayor Glenn Jacobs too. You know that that may be a wise thing for him, um, given his political standing at this point. Uh, but uh, I th- I thought that was fine. But then they disappeared, and they were gone, and they didn't clap for the Undertaker. They didn't shake his hand, hug him, something, stand around the ring all put on Druid outfits and, you know, line, line the entrance way for something um, that it was just weird. Like I liked, you know, as they came out and a number of them, it had leaked throughout the weeks and days ahead that, you know, Savio was going to be there. And um, I thought the Godwins looked very intriguing um, that they came out kind of in their, their overall gimmicks, but yet they don't look like the Godwins anymore, basically at all. Um, you know, and the Godfather was going to be there and all of that. Uh you know, and, and we could probably go through. There are probably some folks who are missing, um, who you feel like maybe should have been there, um, that that could have been there. And then on the good side, though, I thought the hologram with Paul Bearer and Undertaker paying respect to Paul Bearer was awesome. Um, you know, when when I heard the voice hit, oh yes, I thought, oh that was pretty cool. And then the hologram popped up, and I went, oh that went from cool that they you know did that uh, in homage to him to really cool that they were able to use that hologram technology. Um, Hey, if Tupac can use it, you know, why not? Why not Paul Bearer, right? Um, I I just thought that was a really cool image. If this was the last we've seen of the Undertaker character, and I don't think it is because retirements don't ever last in wrestling. Um, And I I assume we'll see the character at some point again. He'll come out and choke slam somebody or something. Um, What a run. 30 years. Um, I was watching Survivor Series in 1990 when he debuted. I actually, and of course I have no way to prove this to you, uh, but if you remember, that was a mystery partner. They didn't, they didn't know who it was. And I had said to my brother before the night, for whatever reason, I said, what if it's mean Mark Callis from WCW? So I called it. Um, certainly didn't know the Undertaker character was a thing, um, but I called that debut. No idea, obviously, that he would become the icon that he has become. Um, to me, you know, we've talked about starting a, a new segment on the show eventually here uh, with a Mount Rushmore talk of, you know, who are your four favorites that go on a Mount Rushmore of different topics. It's hard not to put The Undertaker on that conversation as one of the top uh, wrestlers of all time as far as both in-ring character. I'm greatest character, I think, probably ever in wrestling as far as just a character goes. Um I would be okay. Honestly, there's only been one WWE Hall of Fame where they only inducted one person. That was the very first one. It was Andre the Giant. Um, and then they've done classes since. I realize if you didn't do that for Hulk Hogan, it's hard to do it for anybody else because Hogan certainly would be, you know, top of the list there. But uh, Undertaker might be the one who should be his only class uh, when he goes in. So I, I thought his speech was fine. It was It was what I expected. The Undertaker is not a real... He's not going to stand out there and talk like The Rock for an hour or anything like that. Uh, so I thought his part was fine. I just thought the whole legend thing was a little bit wonky um, and and didn't really serve a purpose in the end. Uh, but thanks, Taker, for 30 years. Not that you're ever going to hear this, but uh, thanks for 30 years. Um, I am 
happy to say I got to see him at WrestleMania a few different times. Um, pretty much always in good matches. So I saw him towards the end of his WrestleMania runs, uh, rather than necessarily at the beginning when he was wrestling the giant Gonzalez and Nathan Jones. Um, so I got to see him a little later on against, against Sean and, uh, Batista and some others. So, um, yeah, Taker is my third thing. Nice. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I couldn't help but think when I was watching that segment about, a sense of disappointment of fans not being able to be there. And I just think that that would have been, you know, rewarding for Mark Calloway as the, as the person, but also as the character. Um, but then also how the environment might've just been more energized. It, I think it came across great on TV and I love the presentation of it. I do echo your sentiments about the legends and how they just, they would do a nice video package and they disappeared. Um, <laughs> Undertaker made him go away. I don't know. <laughs> right. So, so like for me, akin to like that kind of presentation would be like you know a retirement ceremony for a baseball player, right? You would think like anyone in his history, you know, as a major leaguer, would come out and line the first base path, right? And then, then lastly, you celebrate. I'm going to make up a name, Cal Ripken Jr. Right, and then Cal Ripken comes out and slaps fives with all of the previous teammates and his brothers and his dad and yada yada yada. So that obviously was was a, was a not maybe a missed opportunity because again, I think they need to be we need to be aware. Again, this is still we're in the middle of a pandemic. So even like when you have Ric Flair coming out hugging and wanting to hug guys, and you had to wonder, like, even though they're all tested and positive, people are probably literally, hey Rick, come on, buddy. You're you probably have some questionable behavior. Uh watch out, <laughs> watch out with the with the with the with the hugs and and, and fist bumps. Um sorry, Ric Flair. Uh I don't want to get us in trouble. Well, um, and let's and let's be honest. Rick's had his own health issues in the last number of years, so you know nobody wants to be the one to give Ric Flair COVID either. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so um, so that's that. But but again, to to your comment about if there were to be a single entity induction, I think Undertaker deserves it because again, too, he didn't leave anywhere in thirty years. Now he had he had moments of pause where he was you know dead and buried or again the kids injury marriage family whatever those are the reasons behind the scenes that of course as a as, as someone who's invested in the character we don't of course know but now we know because the story's been told um but he he never left for greener pastures he never had that and, and maybe that came across i know that maybe there was probably on one of those stone cold podcasts you know simulcast things they maybe addressed that and i feel like they did at one point or another I think on the first one they did. I haven't watched the second one that came out on Sunday. Right. But the simple fact that he didn't, the simple fact that he call it loyalty, call it whatever you will. He didn't, he didn't leave WWE. He was, he was in his character and his entity. Not that he would have left and gone and been the undertaker anywhere else. Um, he could have personified what looked to be the undertaker, but he wouldn't have been able to bring the trademark. Um, that speaks, I think, to to the person um, who who was in that role for that length of time and then some. So my third big thing is actually, I apologize, I'm going to have two. So I apologize, three and three A. Three is, um, again, and this don't mean to sound like a broken record on the podcast, but you'll relate to this because it's a topic near and dear to our hearts, retribution. <laughs> Why? No, okay, so so they beat they beat in I, essence the. By the, the way, they the, follow up on that on Monday too, along with Peyton Rice. Great, great. So they they beat the men's they beat the the Raw men's team last week Monday on Raw the yeah. the Monday preceding into this show, and then they're nowhere to be found. 
they're not even in the battle royal, which would have made less sense if they were in the battle royal because it was double branded. But they are raw, talented guys. And what they, I would have, and they sorry. can do anything to anybody at any time. So. <laughs> that's that's their contract, exactly. What I would have loved is, and again, I don't care about who won, and and yeah, it makes sense. It's the Miz and whatever. He's Mister Money in the Bank too. So did he really need to win a battle royal? I digress. If it had gotten down to four. And if you're looking to protect the Miz, don't make him one of the last four. Make him get thrown out by hook or crook. Have it be down to the final four and then have Retribution hit the ring and give us a Survivor Series style match to like make fans go, oh, wow. You know, and like, and, and then you would have had to have guys from SmackDown or Raw, whomever they were in the ring at that point. And it didn't have to be the four that were there. Um, they would have had to have worked together. And again, I know they would have succumbed to Retribution because that's the right booking or. Maybe they wouldn't have. Who the heck knows? But but what what an opportunity to and again this this has been the narrative for them the whole time missed opportunity with with having them make a tangible continual impact over the course of whatever their run looks like. And I also thought uh, and I'm going to mess up her name, so I'm not even going to say it. The female character for Retribution, Reckoning. Um, Reckoning, she should have been on the Raw Women's team. With her having taken out uh, the backstage attack last week, the week again preceding, like it was the perfect opportunity for her to end up there. But no, we got Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce, which again, no problem with them. They, that, those are fine reinserts, but reckoning—not that they want to reward her behavior—but you know that could have you could have basically said, "Well, fine, you made you would cause someone to lose their spot. You're now in." And then in, in that dynamic, but I don't want to go too far down that rabbit trail with beating up retribution weekly, but that's what we do here. Um, we, we haven't, uh, you know, we've got some segments head to head and, and um, pretty big things and, and we have retribution as a segment. As well. <laughs> so really I want to, I want to close on a positive note. So that's why I said three and three, a three, a is uh, just the, the main event and um a really high quality match between Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. And I have no problem with the outcome. I actually like the story they told. I like the way the match ended um, because Roman winning was the right move in my opinion, but you also have the visual that Drew McIntyre had him beat. Had the referee not gotten hit, Drew McIntyre is the winner of the match. So as fans, we know that in our hearts and in our minds, and eventually, when these two cross paths again, you can bring us back to here and you can say, look, I've already beaten you once. I didn't get the pinfall. Let's do this again. And I'm going to really prove to you that I'm the better man. So I like that. Um, and again, I don't want to say anyone. Every, in WWE, everyone is a, a Teflon, if you will. At least I think that's how they feel. Anyone can take a loss. I would argue that in this case, Roman is someone who you don't want to pin at all until whomever that might be. And we have, I think we have a similar opinion about who we think that may be, but we'll get there when we get there. That's when you have him lose a decision. Yeah, I would agree. I, th I thought they had a really good main event match. I thought it was probably better than the WrestleMania match a couple of years back, uh, which was also a good match. Um, and, and I agree. I, I thought Randy Orton might get involved. Uh, I was I was happy that he didn't, to be perfectly honest. Um, it made more sense for Jey Uso to do it um, because of the story they're telling there with Reigns and Uso. Uh, 
and and Uso, you know, now being the puppy dog who wants to earn his the big dog's approval. Um, you know, that made that made sense. Um I don't think it hurt Drew at all. Um, because everybody loses a Roman right now and, and has for most of his career. Um, but I actually I'm okay with it now because of the story they're telling. Um, and I agree when now they've built Roman to the point already in just a few short months, uh, which doesn't take long because he's Roman Reigns, right? Um, but they built him to the point where when he does lose, it should be a huge deal. And I hope that if that happens, you know, let's say at mania, that seems to make a lot of sense um, to have it at that stage, whatever that stage looks like in 2021. I hope that when it happens, there are fans there may not be a full, probably won't be, let's be honest, a full, you know, arena stadium, whatever. But if you do, you know, the, the, the general thought, I don't think they've officially announced it yet is that they're going to move mania from California because California is going to be on lockdown for quite a while, just the way they're, um, governor works and and the way that things are going in California. Florida's a little bit of a free-for-all, do whatever you want. Um, the, the, the reports are they're going to move it back to Tampa Bay next year um, and still do it at Raymond James Stadium, likely not with a full crowd, but hopefully with, you know, 25% or something like that, um, which is also what they're doing with the Super Bowl. I know in February in Florida somewhere, I can't remember now. I, I think it's at Tampa. The Tampa, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and um, they're and they're having fans. I mean, I watched yep. the Monday night game. So yeah, and they're and they're talking about um, you know probably twelve to thirteen thousand, maybe fifteen. Um, I I would think fifteen thousand fans. Let's just throw a number around at WrestleMania next year would give a really it would give a cooler atmosphere than we've had with Thunderdome and with the CWC. Um, as, as much as they've done what they can in these in these settings. Uh, much like the undertaker. And I a hundred percent agree with your comment that you made about that would have been really nice to have that in front of fans, but I understand you're trying to do the 30 year anniversary. It literally was 30 years to the day. Um, and, and you're just not at a point where you can have fans yet and do it safely um, in the venues they're using. I think part of their move to Tropicana, a, the Amway arena needs to open up uh, for NBA basketball here in the near future. I think in Tropicana, they're going to, I I think they're going to start letting some fans in because they can do it similar to the way AEW does. And you'll be able to space out it. You can have it outside, all of those kinds of things uh, where you just don't have that in the Amway. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong about that. That's just my own belief. And we're, we're off topic. Imagine that two spot monkeys off topic. Um, but yes, great match, and I agree with you. It ended the way it should have. I was totally fine with that. Uh, thought it was a good ending uh, to the show. So, uh, well, or to the the wrestling part of the show before Taker's farewell. Uh, and and I think it probably actually was good that they ended with Taker's farewell because I don't think it would have been fair to put a match on after that. You would have really been, you know, unless you were going to put a total, you know, maybe you do the R Truth gobbledygooker thing after that or something, just as a you know, brain number. Um, but uh, as much as I love the gobbledygooker, but um, yeah, so I, th- I think they did work that well. So uh, anything else on Survivor Series or, or WWE as a whole? We've got a couple other topics that are not WWE centric here to hit. Yeah, I'm good on WWE for now. Absolutely. And next week, uh, our plan is going to be to uh, do a preview on TakeOver. Uh, hopefully that card will take a little bit more shape tonight. We know a little bit about it already. 
Um, and it seems like they're headed certain directions. So we'll see. Hopefully on uh, tonight's show, they'll they'll firm that up and we'll be able to do a head to head next week on TakeOver. Uh, but we also want to talk a little bit about AEW and, and specifically, although feel free to go anywhere with AEW on this, Tom, too. Um, but specifically the two turns that happened on, I don't know if turns the right word for one of them or not, but um, the the two swerves, I guess, uh, last week where Pentagon Jr. came out or Penta L0M um, as he is in AEW um, and the will he or won't he, you know, will he attack Ray Phoenix and Pac or will he attack Eddie Kingston and Butcher and the Blade? And then later in the show, Will Hobbs does the same thing. Um, with the team Taz thing. Uh, I know you raised the the point, Tom, in a, a message board that you and I are both a part of. So what were your thoughts kind of on what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. So when I watched the episode last week and I watched these things happen, definitely for the death triangle component, it doesn't, um, it doesn't surprise me. It just seems as if we got here really fast, especially because like, it seemed like they were doing something with, I think whether they actually were or not, I'm calling them the family, the family being Eddie Kingston, the Lucha brothers and Butcher and Blade and the bunny. And Kingston was definitely favoring Penta and kind of preferring him over Ray Phoenix. And he was very much kind of even keeled on Butcher and Blade, but not in a bad way when I say even keeled. Like he, they were just part of his, his minions or his horde or his brood, if you will. Pack coming back, of course, builds a natural, hey, he had relationships with Phoenix and Penta prior to having to be gone for eight months. Where does that leave things? Why not tease that out over the number of weeks and give us kind of breadcrumbs along the trail instead of what we got? And again, what we got was Pack and Blade had a match, really good match, mind you. And at the end, Kingston gets involved and gets physical. Ray Phoenix is there to immediately make the, make the save, which... Again, if you make an inference, I think you can say, okay, well, you know what? Behind the scenes, he just got tired of the Kingston favoring his brother. That's why he joined Pac, and there's history there. But then Penta comes out, and it's like a tease of whose side is he really on? And then just the way it executed, I just thought, Ugh. So, again, on paper, cool. I am down for a Kingston, Butcher, and Blade threesome versus Death Triangle version 2.0, even though they're the same guys. That'll be a fun match, and I hope that we get that. Maybe winter is coming next week. That might be too early. But again, in this whole narrative that I'm speaking to or talking into, there hasn't been a relative frequency for me with AEW as it pertains to a regular predictable rhythm for seeing angles or stories develop. Sometimes it's a slow, slow burn, Sometimes it's accelerated. So that's that. I'm going to park that one. And I think you could say and, and more of a slow burn happened with the latter turn with that. And that's Will Hobbs joining Team Taz. But it came out. It came from out of nowhere. And I know that you felt and you thought and you responded to in our dialogue 
uh, in that message board that you kind of felt like the, the seeds for that were planted a little bit better or that you could have seen it happen more than maybe I did from the angle I had. So yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts and how you saw those play out and just the, just the general um, you know thinking behind the execution of, again, whether it be a babyface turn or a heel turn or swerve, like, do you think AEW is a number one consistent and or B um, does it have to have a, a predictable rhythm to those types of things? You know, I'm okay with unpredictability, you know, or making me go, Oh, didn't see that coming. Um, but there is a line for that. Um, you know, I made the comment, I think in the, the board that we were talking about that it felt a little Russo esque to me. Um, you know, it was kind of swerve city, bro. Um, you know, left and right swerves. Um, you got Cody kind of acting heelish. You got, you know, I mean, just there's all these things going on and, and I'm okay with things going on. I don't want to be bored. Um, I agree with you. I think, I mean, Pac had been back for a week and really the week before all he did was walk out. <laughs> um, and then the, the next week he has the match with Butcher. Uh, or with Blade, excuse me, uh, which frankly, by the way, I thought Blade looked pretty good in that match. Um, so kudos to him because I feel like they really, Butcher and Blade have never fully gotten legs underneath them um, in AEW. So maybe that leads to somewhere. And I think they're going to have to because I think right now, if you look at it, to me, Death Triangle wipes Eddie Kingston, Butcher and Blade off the face of the earth. And then what do you do with them? Um you know, are they wrestling on the 17 match dark card every week? Um, you know, that's <clears throat> not great if that's where we go, because they were building that faction pretty well, I thought. So Pac comes back. You could have done a slow burn to death, to death triangle. Um, and Or or like you said, have Phoenix break off right away, Pac and Phoenix, and maybe they recruit, I don't know, fill in somebody from AAA, uh, maybe that they can get to come in with them Laredo kid or somebody Laredo kid, I think is working MLW. So maybe that doesn't work, but um, black Taurus would be somebody I would love to see in AEW. I don't know if you're familiar with black Taurus at all. Um, he's got a really cool look. He's fun in the ring. Um, I know right now it's a little bit tough to get people across borders. We're going to talk about that in a little bit here with ring of honor as well, probably. Um, but they've gotten, they got Pac back from the UK. Um, and Helico is back from wherever it was and Helico is from. I think he's Australia, New Zealand, something like that. And I assume that's where he had been for a little while because he kind of wasn't around for a little bit. Um, Penta and Ray both got back. Um, so so it's doable. I, I don't know what hoops they have to jump through or what they have to say they're not doing or whatever um, to make it happen. But And build towards Penta's turn. I, I agree with you. I think that just happened way too fast. The Hobbs turn, on the other hand, They've been teasing it forever um, with Taz saying, Hobbs, we haven't gotten your answer. We haven't gotten your answer. Even though almost every week Hobbs would run out and run them off. Almost never, almost never, especially in the last couple of weeks, did he actually make contact with Brian Cage or Ricky Starks, which was what had me kind of going, yeah, one of these times it's going to be the old, I'm standing there and I turn and whack the other guy with the chair. Um, which frankly, we've seen that turn a thousand times in pro wrestling. Um, you know, the, the shield turn almost, or it wasn't, that wasn't quite Willie or Oni, but I'm holding anytime somebody's holding a chair near their tag team partner, I'm sure they're going to turn around and whack their partner. with it. I've kind of gotten myself conditioned to believe that. 
Um, and so when Hobbs came in and didn't touch Cage or Starks last week, I was like, okay, here it is. Um, now, I like Will Hobbs. Uh, I think Hobbs has a little bit of charisma to him. He's a built like a brick something house. Um, a lot of power. I, I actually, and I mentioned this, I know, in our, our conversation there, I, I think him as a heel probably makes more sense because he can look much like a Brian Cage and just start tossing people around and really get hopefully over in that way. Um, more than maybe going the Keith Lee route where he can still do all those power things, but as a baby face, uh, I think you could start him as a heel. And I think down the road, maybe Will Hobbs becomes a really big baby face for you. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Um, but that one, I, I thought there were more seeds planted partially because even though he kept running them off, Taz kept saying he hadn't gotten an answer. And I'll admit I was a little frustrated with that because I was like, well, he keeps running you off. Isn't that a no? Um, <laughs> But clearly, they were headed this direction, and that's why they kept doing that. I, I think they could have been a little cleaner on that, you know, um, and not had that annoyance. I, I couldn't have been the only one feeling that. Um, but I think AEW has to be a little careful, though, with turn, 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 um, because it gets into that Russo w, WCW level thing. Um, they're not there yet. Um, but, you know, I mean, WCW had a new person joining the NWO every week for a while, it felt like. Um, and while they don't have a huge faction like that, you know, they do have the inner circle. They just had MJF join that. Um, that wasn't a turn necessarily, but it, it kind of feels like there's going to be a turn coming out of that. Um, you know, Kenny Omega seems to be definitely heading more heelish um, in his mannerisms. I, I just think you have to space your turns out to make them mean something. And when you go turn, turn, turn and, and fake or fake turns and, hinted at turns. Like I said, Cody's been acting a little little bit more heelish, but yet they're trying to make him a baby face against Shaq. And I don't think, have we talked about Shaq at all on this no. show? Let me explain something I don't care to ever see. I Cody. wondered if we were going to get into this territory. So I'm, 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 I'm a little glad we are. And and, okay. I, and, and I do want to pivot back to talking about Will Hobbs and, and, and a thought I had, but but let's go, let's go Shaq real quick. Let's go Shaq real quick. I do not care to see Cody versus Shaq. I just don't. Shaq versus the Big Show, when they were teasing that a while back and they had the little thing in the Royal Rumble, that's giant, giant. Makes sense. Um, I don't think you have a giant in AEW that is at the level that I would see Shaq against. Shaq against Lance Archer doesn't do much for me. Shaq against Mr. Brody Lee, which, by the way, did Mr. Brody Lee go hang out with Retribution? Where has he been? Um... I don't know. Um, and maybe there's something going on there. Maybe it's COVID related. Maybe it's something they just, they mention him, but they don't ever say why he's not there. So I'm curious where Brody Lee has been. Um, you know, that, I don't think that's, I don't think you have a giant at the level to work with a guy like Shaq. Um, now Cody's a good enough worker in the ring and Cody's an EVP. So if he wants to work Shaq, Cody's going to work with Shaq. Um, I thought debuting Jade Cargill that way was stupid because nobody knew who in the world she was. Nobody gave a rip about Jade Cargill. Um, you could have built her a little bit or had her like be the mysterious woman in the aisle who is leaving notes for Cody Rhodes or something. And then eventually you build to, to that promo. Um, I think Brandy's promo though on, on Jade's debut where Brandy came out and said to keep her man's name out of your mouth and, you know, um, I loved it because there was passion behind it. It wasn't Brandy Rhodes being the the chief uh, marketing officer or branding officer, whatever her, her title is. I can't remember right now. 
uh, you know, an all business professional. And well, this, this is what we're going to do when you see her on some of the other stuff. That was Brandy. Don't mess with my man. Um, and, and I loved that. Um, but I, I don't think they did Jade any favors. Uh, they didn't follow up very well, frankly, on it. I didn't feel like the next week. Um, and yeah, Cody and Shaq just, I, I get it. Shaq works for TNT. Cody, AEW's on TNT. There's some synergy there. Wah, wah, don't care. Um, yeah. Coming, what are you thinking on Cody and Shaq? Coming to Revolution in February 2021, Cody versus Shaq. Well, and the thing is, too, if they don't <clears throat> deliver on Cody Shaq, you know, they've already they already teased Tyson and Jericho, and that never happened. Like, I think you have to be careful how you use celebrities, too, if you're not going to follow through on it. Now, yeah. follow through. Well, so here's... Here's a thought, and and this was a thought that just landed with me, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna go a couple different ways here. So so I apologize to bounce around like a pinball a little bit. First and foremost, with Will Hobbs, if the destination was getting him to Team Taz, there are different paths I think they could have taken to get him there, besides the one they did. And I'm not being critical of that. I I am critical of how quickly it happened and with kind of the speed at which it occurred. Um, for me, at least. Again, I know that we have a little bit of a different perception there. Um, Team Taz is all about not getting the shots they think they deserve. And based on the rankings, they have their, that argument has merit, right? But, but we unfortunately haven't seen the rankings be used as an anchor point to guarantee title shots as maybe AEW had originally intended. They're maybe back to the whole, like, again, this is a way throwback so far. So I apologize, but, and for people who are listening who don't have a clue, look this up. Ring of Honor used to have a number one contenders trophy and also had a ranking system. And those things didn't lead directly to uh, an instant path to a title shot. In many cases they did, but they also booked themselves into a corner with some of those things. And I think that's kind of a, what the rankings might be doing as well. So Mox got attacked last week behind the scenes. I think that could have been Will Hobbs. And I think it would have made sense if it was Will Hobbs. And maybe it was, and we don't know yet. Um, because of course, Kenny was in the ring signing the contract. I think we're not going to record between now and when winter is coming. I think Kenny Omega wins the title. I may be way up, way off base, but I think he, I think that's the time where you pull the trigger, trigger and have him win. And again, not that Mox's reign needs to be done, but I think it's an easy pivot point to get Kenny as the face and the world champion and have him go in a heel way and have people start to chase him if he is going to go full heel. But then have Mox pivot and have him be someone who battles the entities of Team Taz. And if Will Hobbs were the attacker, it does. It makes perfect sense that Will Hobbs be the first uh, person he goes against in that scope. So that's that's number one. That's kind of where that's the original point I wanted to make, or kind of fantasy booking, armchair booking, if 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 you, you want to call it that. But but carry it a little bit further. Without the team Taz connection, Shaq could have come in, and I don't see Shaq Cody in the ring, and maybe we do get there, and I maybe it's Shaq and Jade Cargo versus Cody and Brandy as a mixed tag, which I thought right from that promo time too because i just like oh man Shaq's gonna do a lot to be ready to go and again that's gonna be during the nba season if that's when it materializes so he really is gonna have host duties or studio duties as part of tnt it would make more sense for me to have Shaq 
tag someone or handpick someone and will will Hobbs could have fit fit that bill. So who knows, but that's kind of a couple of avenues I could have seen them then them going. One thing that we haven't talked about, and maybe we don't need to spend a lot of time on it today, and I think it will come up in continuously, is with 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 both AEW and WWE and all of their entities. And you talked about Dark being, you know, you know, four years worth of, of matches last night. I'm of course, you know, over overstating that. There's a glut of talent in in both promotions where there's just not enough TV time to spotlight or to keep people at the forefront of your mind. And and we're talking about there are people that aren't even active right now on a regular basis because of the pandemic. So what's going to happen when we turn the corner and come out on the other side of this thing? You know, I can't see there being dark part two or another weekly show for AEW, but maybe there will be. Who knows? There, there is supposed to be another a one-hour weekly show uh, that will be debuting for AEW at some point. They, they thought still this year, I'm kind of thinking now it won't happen this year. But uh, that will not be on YouTube. Um, it'll be on on either TNT or TBS. I don't know that they've announced which. Um, I, I think they're going to have to be really careful not to make that dark part too, though, um, and make it mean something. Because, sorry for jumping in on you, uh, interrupting you there. One thing I think that frustrates me with AEW and Dark, especially, and I don't watch Dark because I, I just don't have enough time in the week. And most of what happens there doesn't matter um, in the grand scheme of the important stories. What they prove, what they provide, is important on Wednesday nights. But they do reference those records. You know, Ricky Starks is thirteen and two this year, according to the rankings that just came out this morning. Ricky Starks had like six matches on Dynamite, but he's won all sorts of them over on Dark. If you're going to use those matches to mean something, then make the show mean something. Um, and they're going to have to be careful with that with, you know, uh, C4 or whatever they call this other hour show um, that they come up with. I like the C4. C4, yeah. is that a good name for it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you were saying, yeah, about the, the talent... Um, we're underutilized. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's just the thing. Like, so here's here here's something super interesting. I actually care about Sean Spears right now. I care about Sean Spears because of how he beat Scorpio Sky a few weeks back and the whole gimmick in the glove. Like, I care more about Sean Spears than I did, or I mean, other than the chance when he was kind of when he first debuted and had the thing with Cody. Like, that was kind of he was on his way up, but then like he peaked and then kind of disappeared in the background. I was elevating himself again. And again, I think the guy's tremendously talented. So take away the whole Ty Dillinger and 10 thing. He's more than that. And now he's getting a chance to, to create a new path and pave that path. But that match happened a few weeks ago. And again, maybe he's had matches on dark. But again, I don't care. And they're not against the caliber of opponent, opponent or, or, or um, talent of Scorpio Sky. And I'm a huge Scorpio Sky fan. Actually, if I were to, again... I know we did a draft earlier this year when we were just kind of hand, you know, saying the world COVID reset the wrestling landscape. Well, if we ever did that again, but it was really something like Scorpio Sky is a guy that I would want on my team. Like he is a good speaker. He's good in the ring. I think he's marketable. I think he, he checks all the boxes. Um, and now I want him to get revenge on Sean Spears. 
but he's not. It's there's no progression, right? So like, so like that's that's just one sample of one story. And again, I it's undercard, and 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 it's justifiably so. But give me more. Give me more. Yep. Yeah. I uh, both both companies, main major companies here in, in America, have a glutton of talent that they're not using much right now, um, and, and they continue to sign guys. You know, AEW just signed Top Flight. Um, Amazing debut, by the way. Amazing debut, and I'm looking forward to their match with DH2. Um, that should be – is it going to be a spot fest? Heck, yeah, it's going to be a spot fest, but is it going to be a lot of fun? Probably. Um, you know, uh, WWE is, you know, apparently signed uh, Alex Zane, who had appeared for Ring of Honor and, and Game Changer Wrestling. Um, and it sounds like there's some other signings probably coming there as well. Um, you know, they keep signing, folks. Um there's even a story out there, in fact, that after Ricky Starks uh, had his match with Cody, uh, WWE called him and said, oh, yeah, we've been watching you and we're interested in you. And he was like, huh, interesting. <laughs> were you watching the other night? Is that when you watched me or, you know, is there anything else? Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of talent that. And, and, and in WWE's case, especially, they've got enough TV time to get a lot of this talent over. We don't need four 24-7 title segments. Although that is getting more talent involved, and I'm fine with that, we don't need four segments of it. And, you know, we don't need 18 title changes on Raw last week about it. Um, there are other things you can focus on. Utilize main event more. Utilize NXT. Utilize NXT UK. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's just going to be, they, they got to figure out how to get more of these talents involved and or release some of the ones who aren't you aren't going to do anything with. Um, but they're so afraid to do that because they're afraid AEW or Ring of Honor or New Japan or somebody will snatch those people up. Um, anyways, interesting to see. This started at AEW turns, and as usual, we turned all over the place on this one. I want to know your pick on Kenny versus Moxley before we transition. I, I'm going Mox. I'm going Mox. This does not count in our head-to-head, by the way, in case I'm wrong no, on that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's get that out in the open. <laughs> but I, I do think Omega's the one to take the title from him and just not sure that December, the next Wednesday, is, is that night. I, will I be shocked if Omega wins it? No. I just think maybe there's a little... I, I'm thinking Hangman Page gets involved somewhere um, and that we have to wrap that up yet. And then maybe at... Let's see, what's their next one? Revolution? Revolution. Um, Maybe that's where Omega wins it, but but would I be shocked if Omega wins it next week? Absolutely not. Um, I think I think that's been the plan this second year of the company is is to get Omega, you know, in that top mix, and and they've done a nice job of it. Um, I I love his kind of Japanese style entrance. You know, I think of the Wrestle Kingdom entrances. They're always they're like WrestleMania entrances, right? They're always a lot of times big, and they have other people involved and he's got the two women coming out with the brooms. They're the sweeper girls or whatever. Um, and you know, Justin Roberts is just being Justin Roberts turned up to 11, um, on the intro. I, I love all of that stuff. Um, and then he comes in and he kills people. Um, and you know, I missed that Kenny Omega in the ring. I think he and Mox are going to have a great match. I enjoyed, uh, their no holds barred match or whatever lights out, whatever it was. Um, the, the match that Kenny has been quick to tell everybody didn't count. They've never actually faced off. I, I Again, little nuance that I just works so well in his heel persona. Like we've never had a one-on-one match that counted, um, you know, so 
good stuff there. Um, and literally, you can take that story all the way back to the beginning of AEW at Double or Nothing uh, when they debuted, when Moxley debuted, and and put him through that glass table, which was such a cool spot. Um, so I, I love that piece of it, that they're drawing back to old things, um, things that have happened in the past, and making them mean more by using them again. It's a shocking idea, I know, but uh, that's what they're doing. Uh, we wanted to finish up today with some Ring of Honor chat. Uh, Ring of Honor has had a few shows now, maybe three or so, uh, since the Pure Title Tournament. Um, so we're kind of starting to get a sense for where they're headed as a whole, as the company, and not just in the Pure Division. Um, early thoughts, Tom? I know we're both current on it. We've seen everything that's aired thus far. Um, thoughts on on who they're building, how they're building, and of course, Final Battle is coming up on December 18th, and they have announced that the plan, they are they are saying right now the plan um, is that every title will be defended on that show. Uh, so it's going to be a big show uh, for final battle. For sure. Yeah. So the big news yeah, that I wanted to spend time on and, and, and I might put you on the spot here momentarily. So get ready. Um, was the announcement that final battle is coming back, obviously. And we had talked a little bit about that, whether it made all of our airwaves waves here on the podcast or not. Uh, we had kind of gone back and forth Um with how we might see that playing out. And now we know that it's actually going to be a standalone event, whether they tape it early or it goes live that, that Friday, the 18th of December. Um, that's exciting. And it's something to, to get excited for. And then when you see the poster that they've promoted on social media, lots of guys, lots of faces, lots of guys we haven't seen in a while. So even more exciting. Again, they've, they've been very clear to say, you know, if the pandemic does not prevent this here, this is our goal. And again, just like, you know, names subject to appear, right? It's, it's, it's the same idea. But again, I think going that extra mile to go to just cover yourself is, is, is the smart way to go. Prior to that announcement, prior to thinking, prior to knowing for sure we were getting a final battle, but and prior to knowing that they wanted to have all titles on the line, uh, I thought they were heading towards possibly a four-way or a three-way for an interim champion. Um, and I saw that being Brody King, Shane Taylor, and someone else that I, I hadn't come up with in my mind because of the way the TV was building. Uh, obviously, now that we know their plan is to have Roosh defend the title, Dragon Lee defend his title, the six-man six man tag, pure title, tag titles, um, that changes kind of things. And it, it makes me wonder who, who gets slotted where. Um, so when we were chatting a few minutes ago, uh, I was trying to jot a couple of notes down. I'm having a hard time remembering who the six-man tag champs are. It's Bandito, Ray Horace, and... And Flamita. Flamita. Okay. All right. So here, here's, here's, here comes the putting you on the spot. Okay. Knowing what you know today and knowing what you've seen with Ring of Honor, and, let, and let's just kind of... And let's also spend a minute just to catch up. The last week's episode was pretty a pretty big one in the sense that EC3 got his first victory, but he got it by way of DQ over Jay Briscoe, who couldn't control himself. Yeah. Um, Jay Briscoe kind of let the emotions get the better of him, and it was a DQ finish. And then in the main event, we had Matt Taven versus Bateman, and uh, Taven gets the clean win, but then he gets attacked by, by Vinny, by Vincent, and Mike Bennett returns. Um, in a very unique plaid outfit. That was uh, something. <laughs> so, so, so those things are happening. And then in the middle, which I thought actually was the was the best thing on the entire show last week, 
you had LSG challenge Jay Lethal. And like that was one of those matches where those pre-taped segments really did it tremendous justice. I think it would have been great as a standalone, but that just added like my personal emotional investment in that match. And then the fact that I went to the draw and then I went to judges' decisions um, or a judge's decision. Um, and, and it looks like Lethal just eked it out. So I think the story they're telling, the, my favorite story that they've told with Ring of Honor thus far since the return, aside from Jonathan Gresham's ascension and the foundations evolving, has been the story with Jay Lethal and what they've done with him. Um, so after having kind of given that kind of most recent recap and Brody King's been built, Shane Taylor's been built um, with strong wins, Knowing what you know today or thinking what you think you know today, what do you think Final Battle looks like in four weeks from now? I was just jotting things down because I kind of understood where you were probably going with that uh, when you said you were going to put me on the spot, what you were saying. Uh, I don't think anything to me is set in stone. Obviously, it is set in stone probably for them um, or, or plans are underway, obviously, um, since they also know what they've taped. Um, for the next few weeks, and I don't, um, which is good. Um, I think we clearly are headed towards a Taven and Bennett versus Vincent and Bateman match. Um, I, I, I would have thought Taven and Vincent were going to have like a fight without honor kind of thing, and this might still be a fight without honor, um, but it, I think it's going to be a tag team um, match. They did announce that a pure ruled tag match will take place. Uh, I really don't know what they're going to do with that, to be perfectly honest, who they'll put in that match. Um, Pure title, I think Gresham defends against the returning John Walters um, at final battle. I think that that would be really good. Um, I would love to see Doug Williams in that spot, but I just don't think he's going to make it back uh, before final battle. I think we'll get there. Uh, tag, I think we get Lethal and Gresham versus the Briscoes because they have been, uh, they keep talking about how the Briscoes have never gotten their re return match. Now, I say that. But I could also see EC3 versus Jay Briscoe in some sort of a no DQ fall, uh, fight without honor, something. Um, and I don't necessarily see Jay Briscoe working both, you know, double double duty. They've said Gresham will work double duty as pure champion and tag champion, I guess, unless he were to lose the title, one of those titles before final battle. But it sure doesn't seem like they're building towards anything like that. Um, but I think that's our tag title match. Uh, six man titles. I, I, I have no clue, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, If it wasn't for the way they built Shane Taylor, I would say Mexa Blood versus Shane Taylor and SOS would make some sense as a six-man title match. Um, I think it's also going to be interesting for Mexa Blood, uh, which is the Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horse team, uh, Dragon Lee and Arush. I do not believe they worked the TV tapings that we're, just, that we're watching now. Um, they were not shown in any way in the bubble. Maybe they're all surprises, um, but I just don't, I think that part would have gotten out that they were able to get those guys in at least. Um, so what do you do to build for those matches? Um, you know, now they may have another taping right before final battle that maybe we'll get a week or two of TV before. I, I can't, I haven't counted it out and I'm not hundred percent sure how many shows, whether it was seven or eight, they taped. Um, but uh building to those matches is going to be interesting, especially if those guys aren't able to be in much before final battle. Uh, I, for now, would go Dragon Lee Brody King for the TV title. 
Um, it's a total mismatch in styles, but I just don't know what else to do with it. Um, and, and I've got Roosh Shane Taylor penciled in as the world title match. Um, I, I don't know, though, because I do think so. You know, let's go backstage for a minute. The word on the street is Roosh's contract ends the end of this year with Ring of Honor. Roosh could re-up with the Ring of Honor, but I think there's also going to be an awful lot of interest in Roosh from WWE and probably even from AEW, maybe even from New Japan. I think Roosh is going to be a hot free agent um, if he doesn't resign before then. So I think you have to look at the very real possibility that they take the title off of him at Final Battle. And who do you want to be the Ring of Honor World Champion? Um you know, I don't think they're going to go Gresham. That that was my original thought. We talked about that a few weeks back. You know, do they have Gresham go for three belts? Um, now that they're going to defend all the titles in Final Battle, I just don't see Gresham working three matches in the same show. To me, that almost makes it look like your roster is a little too depleted. I don't think that looks good. Um, I, I don't know if I'm ready to see Shane Taylor as the Ring of Honor World Champion. I like Shane Taylor. I like the build they're doing with him, but I'm not sure that he's ring of honor world title material yet in my eyes, that belt holds an awful lot of prestige for me. Um, and I know it does for you as well, because we've both been ring of honor fans a long time. Uh, I don't see Brody King as world champion yet either. Again, do I think maybe he could get there? Perhaps. I think he's a little behind Shane Taylor, which is why I put him in the TV title match. Um, Cause I do think he needs a, um, a featured spot. Um, if you're going to continue to build him the way that they are. Uh so that that's what I jotted down for now. I also do add to that Quinn McKay versus Angelina Love. Uh, if you watch the week by week, I don't think you do, Tom, uh, for the most part. But uh, on the week by week show, Angelina Love and Mandy Leone attacked Quinn a couple of weeks back. She missed one week of week to week, was back this week. Um, and kind of fairly good promo, frankly, that she's gone back to wrestling training because she started as a wrestler. Um and that she's basically coming for blood uh, from Angelina. And I think we get that a final battle. Um and I think we see Quinn Quinn get a win. And whether that then leads to, she said she would still be the backstage interviewer and the host on Week to Week and all of that. So whether that leads to more Quinn McKay in the ring, I don't know. Um, we'll see. But I do think that's on Final Battle as well. What What do you see as Final Battle? Yeah, I see, I see a lot of what you see. I think that undercard that you built um, really matches my uh, thinking. I, I wanted someone other than the Briscoes to fight lethal and gresham but it makes the most sense and 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 also too like the, the ring of honor roster we think we know from earlier in the year probably is a lot of the same but they haven't reintroduced everybody to us yet so we're still in process of that um i, I should add to that um danhausen so danhausen has signed a ring of honor contract but the ring of honor contract has a clause that he has to win a match Danhausen did not work the last TV tapings because he had worked the collective the weekend before, where unfortunately a number of people tested positive afterwards for COVID-19. So Danhausen, while I don't think he ever announced that he tested positive, Ring of Honor sent home anybody who worked the collective out of an abundance of caution. So Danhausen has to win a match in 2020, and he's pretty much got a couple of TV tapings, you know, or a TV taping for some shows and maybe final battle. So I could see him wrestling like a Brian Johnson um, at final battle as well. Sorry. I forgot to mention that. Nope. That's fine. That's fine. Um, the, the six man has, has the biggest question mark about it because you would, you would think that you would 
want someone to at least have a strong showing as a as a trio before getting a shot at the titles, as opposed to just three random guys put together. Like, let's have Dalton Castle, Kenny King, and Flip Gordon. Right. Um, uh, right. Who Who knows? Um, I actually one name I was surprised you didn't mention, um, but it also gave me the chance to think of it as well was Tracy Williams. Uh-huh. I actually I actually could see Tracy Williams dragon Lee uh as as a nice match uh that I think or would do, deliver in the ring. A thought just to throw it out there. Yeah. What about um I, I don't know if, I think it was on the show this week um they said who's under that red mask is yep. Red Titus. Yep. So maybe a Tracy Williams Red Titus Fred Yehi or Tony Deppen who's been announced for final battle uh, Russ Taylor, somebody, maybe you add somebody to the foundation and they go for the six man. A thought. Yeah. yeah. Nope. I like that. I like that. Um, and then the reason why I put Williams in the TV title slot is because I think he showed he's on the cusp in the pure tournament, of course, with the match with Gresham. And then I think you do kind of a Haas battle in the main event. I think you get Roosh, you get Shane Taylor without a doubt. I agree with you there. And actually, you may have seen I made a claim and was successful in getting Shane Taylor in the Fantasy Wrestling League because I kind of think there's a chance that he gets the world title. Again, um, uh, lineage and value and all of those other components in the process, you know, their prestige aside, um, they are, they do continue to tout Shane Taylor as one of the best, if not the best. TV champion in the history of the company. Disputable as I think that might be, it's the narrative they're sticking with. Um, so Roosh, Shane Taylor, Brody King, and add PCO to the mix. PCO has was at the last set of TV tapings. He has not yet made his return to TV. Ironically enough, and interestingly enough for me, when they did TV last week and they had that full episode, and again, full in terms of in-ring action, full in terms of stories and backstage and whatnot, they didn't hype any of the matches for this week's episode. I don't know if they did tease that at all on week by week, but that was the first TV show that I think I recall since their return where they didn't at least tease. And don't forget, tune in next week because you're going to want to see this. Yeah, and they, they did. And I'm trying real quick here to pull it up and remember. Um, Brody King, Shane Taylor is this week. Oh, see, I thought they said that was going to happen down the road. They did. They totally okay. did. And okay. apparently down the road is... <laughs> this week. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they, you are 100% right that they um, they made it seem like that was going to be a few weeks down the road. Um, apologies if you heard any of that noise there. Um, and then I am just going back here to see if I can quickly find... I have the video up and I'm kind of clicking through it here real quick. Um, there, there was another match they announced and I, for the life of me, can't think of what it was, uh, but it's Brody King and Shane Taylor. And I want to say. Well, I'll, I'll armchair book then for a second, because if it is, if we, if we're getting that match this weekend on ring of honor TV, it makes sense in my suggested plan that PCO involve himself in that and it would give us a Haas battle four-way for the world title at final battle. That works for me too Um, and and might be the best way to do it because you're not going to probably be able to build up a one-on-one 
issue between Roosh and somebody that will feel like, oh yeah, that should be the final battle main event. Uh, the other match that was announced for this weekend is Jay Lethal versus Josh Woods in a pure rules match. Uh, so Lethal Man, Jay, Jay's the MVP. Jay, he must have worked 17 times at that poor TV taping, poor guy. Um, he is the franchise, right? Um, or then the foundation. Um, but uh, yeah, I could I could definitely see everything you just said. I, one of the things I was looking at this card as I jotted it down as I was talking through it is I didn't have a spot for PCO there. Um, you know, you could do some sort of random PCO EC3 match, but that, I don't know, doesn't seem like any reason for that at this point. Um, Tony Deppen is also going to be on this card somewhere. Uh, they've announced that he's in for final battle, so I don't have him on there either. Again, unless they do some sort of weird random pairing of three people for the six man titles, um, draw names out of a hat. No, that always right. Works. Well, they've done that before. Um, <laughs> do the do the old uh, Chikara style. I don't know if I'm allowed to ca- talk about Chikara anymore, but um, you know where if somebody didn't show up, they would draw out of a hat until you know they picked somebody who actually was there. I used to think it was kind of funny because they'd always draw like Rowdy Roddy Piper and Tito Santana, and you know and those people weren't there until somebody was actually there. But um, yeah, have the fans vote on three? I don't know. Like LSG, does he get a sick? Uh, you know, does he find two partners? Does Shaheem Ali come back? I don't think that would be a good idea. They, I think they did a great job with LSG last week. So don't go backwards with him. Go forwards. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. Um, see what they do. If it wasn't for you know, Vince, if Vincent and Taven were having a one-on-one, I would say maybe Bateman. Uh, the creepy clown guy and somebody else uh, from the righteous go for the six man titles too. But um, I can't think of the clown guy's name, Chuck, the clown or something like that. Chuckles, <laughs> Chuckles. I think the clown, I think Chuck, Chuck, Chuck uh, the clown, <laughs> Chuck the clown. Oh, I, it's, they haven't, they haven't featured him yet on TV again since they, they restarted. So um, I, I think I'm excited for final battle. I am hopeful so a while back, right before the pandemic shut everything down, they announced that with Honor Club for the $10 a month plan, as well as the $120 a year plan, uh, which it was always with the $120 a year plan, but for the $10 a month plan, you would now get pay-per-views live. Um, it used to be that you got almost every other show live, but pay-per-views, you got 50% off if you ordered them. Um, so they were still going to run you 15 20 bucks. Um, now with the $10, $10 a month plan, they're supposed to be included. The original graphic they put out said on pay-per-view and honor club. Since then, I've only heard them using the word pay-per-view. So I'm not sure. Um, my intent was to re-up with honor club uh, for $10 and watch final battle. Um, if it's a full priced, you know, 30, $35 pay-per-view, I'll probably still get it, but that might make it just a little tougher. Just, you know, money spending on other things and, uh, my side business may get shut down again yet here with pe- the pandemic situation. So I, we'll see whether that happens uh, for sure. If it's a full price, if it's 10 bucks, yeah, I, it, that's happening. Um, especially for the wrestlers that will be on that card, even if they haven't been able to build all of the stories the way they might like to. Um, I'm a fan of Roosh. I'm a fan of Dragon Lee. I'm a fan of Bandito. You know, just having those guys back alone, I would pay 10 bucks to watch that show immediately without you even telling me who they're wrestling. Uh, I wish Bandito was wrestling Dragon Lee or Roosh, to be perfectly honest. But I realize I realize they're trying to reestablish their titles too after you know all these months off, and unfortunately those guys not being able to be in 
the first round here at taping. So, um, and that's part of where I wonder, do those guys drop their titles to people who are, are based in the U S right now? So that as ring of honor moves forward, if things change again and they're harder to get back, they don't have to, well, my title sitting on Roosh in Mexico, you know, it's on Shane Taylor who they're able to use, you know, a little more freely. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you and I are on the same page with uh, with with Honor Club potentially and watching the show. And it is the holiday season, and uh, you know, gift giving is 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 among us. Right. So right. I, as much as I want to give myself the gift of pay per view, I don't always have the opportunity to. I have a friend in Wisconsin who used to always say, "It's only cubic dollars. It's only cubic dollars." Um, so. Uh, but hopefully we'll be looking forward to that. We will be planning to do a preview for both that and TLC, um, assuming WWE can be bothered to put together a card for TLC before it happens, um, since they have run into that before. And I, I read a story earlier this week that the card is up in the air at the moment for TLC. Um, yay. Well, I mean, why Why have an idea where you're headed in three weeks? You know, why? Um Yikes. Anyways, anything else you want to talk about, Tom, before uh, we, we've done our normal 90 minutes here? Well, it, it's been a good catch up and, and 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 I'm not at all surprised at our length and because we've covered a lot and it's been a while. So it's been great to reconnect with you. I'm glad that you're well. I wish that you uh, and your wife continue to heal and recover from COVID. Um, and thanks for being an anchor on this show and being a great friend and um was lifting a lot of prayers up for you guys, and I'm glad that you guys are there on the other side or, or seeing yourselves through the other side. And nothing but continued health for you and then for anyone out there in our listening audience, uh, our friend group, um, all of the above, uh, just to continue to have health and wellness, uh, especially in this season. I know a lot of people are sacrificing. We are recording this on the eve of Thanksgiving, so I'm very excited for food tomorrow. Um, but we are uh, electing to not gather as a family with others. It's a very tight-knit group, just as our household. Um, and again, small sacrifice for the now in 2020. Um, it's been a year to teach us a lot. Um, and you know what? We'll be better for it on the, on the back end. So um, didn't want to get all sentimental there, but, you know, love to you and your family and, uh, and love to our, our, you know, our friends and our, our families collectively as they listen, watch or support us um, here. Yeah, absolutely. And echo that. And thank you for the the kind thoughts and prayers and checking in on me uh, and my wife as well as we, we went through our, our battle the last couple of weeks with COVID uh, without, you know, getting political preachy or anything, folks. Uh, I don't suggest it. Um, so uh, I don't suggest getting it. Thankfully, I was able to uh, avoid hospitalization. I was close at one point, frankly. Um, my wife did really well with it. Um, hers thankfully stayed pretty mild. And that's kind of the crazy thing of this virus is, you know, literally two people in the same house with at the same time had almost completely different symptoms, exhaustion being the only one we shared um, and, uh, and, and handled it very differently as well. Uh, as far as how we did, um, thankfully we're both on the mend and we appreciate uh, everybody's kindness and, and thoughts and, and also patience with us uh, as Tom and I weren't, uh, really able to to get this done over the last couple of weeks, just timing wise, and uh, frankly, my stamina was uh, a little bit. So um, I'm gonna take a nap now. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. I got to work. Um, but uh, but seriously, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I am thankful uh, for your friendship, Tom. First and foremost, uh, beyond this podcast, we are the you know the best of friends uh, outside of this, and 
Uh, so I am thankful for you, for your friendship. Um, I'm thankful to our anybody and everybody who downloads this, listens to it, watches it on YouTube, uh, laughs at us and thinks we're stupid. Whatever it is you do with this podcast, um, I'm thankful for that as well. Because uh, while Tom and I joke that we really don't care if anybody listens to it, because it's really about two friends getting together and talking wrestling, um, we wouldn't record it if we didn't at least want somebody to listen to it. So, so it's nice to know what somebody does. But uh, you know, we're not we're not monetizing this in any way. There's we're no get rich quick schemes going on um, with this. But we appreciate anybody who listens, who gives us a review, gives us a five star um, or a one star. But if you give us a one star, all I ask is tell us why. Tell us why we're bad. What do you want us to be better at? I, I would accept constructive criticism. Um, this is it, a verbal love letter to our wrestling fandom. Absolutely. It really is. It really is. So um, thank you to everybody. Everybody stay safe. Uh, like Tom said, I know people are making sacrifices. Uh, we always stay in for Thanksgiving because our families are, are 10 hours away. Um, and we usually try to get back for Christmas. We likely aren't going to go back for Christmas for those same reasons this year. Um, and, and that sucks. But uh, as I told my mom, uh, who is in her seventies. Um, I would rather miss one Christmas than know that we got together this Christmas and on the off chance, somebody passed her COVID um, and we never get another one with her. So, uh, you know, not to end on a morbid note, but just be safe. That's all I'm saying, folks. Just think things through. And if you're going to be together, just be safe, give some distance, wear a mask, eat some turkey. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure we end on a positive note. Don't pass the COVID, pass the cranberry. Absolutely. There's, there you go. That's that's a good T-shirt. That could be the first monkey's <laughs> T-shirt. You never know. <laughs> Coming to you soon on Pro Wrestling Tees. Black Friday. That's right. <laughs> Black Friday sale. That's right. And hey, Black Friday sale, you know, uh, Ringside Collectibles starts tonight at six o'clock my time. Uh, I probably won't be ordering anything. We'll we'll see if they have any screaming deal that I think I can't live without. But, um, you know, have fun if you buy yourself a little gift. Uh, uh, Black Friday, you know, if you do it online. I do most of my shopping online. I don't go fight those crazy crowds. That's just stupid. There's nothing I need that bad. So um, anyways, not a shopping podcast. This is a wrestling podcast. Yeah. Happy we'll Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you next week for TakeOver Preview, War Games. Absolutely. After Thanksgiving, what's better than eight people beat the tar out of each other in a cage? <laughs> we'll see you next week, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.